Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Earthbound is what I'm calling this series. So I'm going to go over the basic scriptures again real quick. Our text is the word, you know, James 3 is where the Apostle James speaks and he says, he talks about the tongue, remember, and he talks about how the tongue is a fire set amongst our members. And it is set, it says, it is set on the fire of hell. Now, when he says that, he means he's talking about the negative damage that happens to a human life when they do not understand the power of the tongue. And the words there, like I said, it says it says it sets in motion the wheel or the cycle of man's nature. And I, I really, all I can say is this. I, I really want you guys, this is going to sound so simple. I want you to believe in God. You hear me? I want you to actually believe that this is God's word. And even as that man shared yesterday about the love of God so beautifully. There's something you have to respect or make the, you have to make the decision to receive this simple fact. God is love. Therefore, God wrote this book. You hear me? God wrote this. Love wrote this then. Then every single statement, every single commandment, every single ounce of instruction, whatever, however you want to term it, every bit of God's instruction to us is him trying to get us to a place of love. It is him trying to love us, in fact, simply, and it's him trying to get us into a better life down here on planet Earth. He knows the trials and the stuff we go through. That's why he sent Jesus. It says that, remember, there's a verse that speaks just to that, that just like we partook of flesh and blood, so Jesus himself partook of flesh and blood, that he might destroy him who had the power of death. And that he might deliver us who through all our, all our lifetimes have been held in bondage because of the fear of death. But what I'm trying to say is everything God teaches is from the perspective I'm trying to help you here. Can you just accept it like that in the simplest of language? God wants to help us. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you just say you believe that? <laughs> it's just that simple. You have to understand there's nothing in God that would hurt anybody. I said, there's nothing in God that would hurt anybody. Remember, James again says, there is no temptation. It says, I'm sorry, let no man, let no man, let no man say when he is tempted or when he's tested or when he's tried that he is tempted, tested or tried by God, for God cannot be tempted, tested or tried with evil. Neither will he tempt, test or try any man with evil. It just says that flat out. So nothing evil comes from God. God is good. Good comes from God. I'm saying all that to preface this again. When God instructs us what we've been teaching, if you haven't been on the other sessions, you really, I really would suggest that you go up and listen to the podcast. But we're talking about the power of words. And like I said, I'm going to read a couple of things so that I can get to the new stuff here. Something I said at the beginning was this, that one thing that must be understood before anyone can successfully be a man or woman of faith is this, that no one has a choice 
of whether or not he lives by words. By words. By words. Because that is the kingdom prince. God works that way. He set that in motion. All of the kingdom is working. It's everything that works in the kingdom works by words. God spoke and what have you, and God saw. I'll get to that in a minute real quick. But I said, no one has the choice of whether or not he lives by words, but he has the choice of what words he lives by. You and I have the choice of what words we choose to live by. I mean, I, when I teach on the love walk, I always think of, I always share this thing about when I'm teaching about strife and how you have to kill strife at all costs. And I'll say, you know, if you don't believe that words are containers, words are containers that carry substance. They carry, they carry spiritual atmospheres. Have you ever walked into, you come to say you come to somebody's house and you knock on the door and you open the door and you step in there and there's a husband and wife and they say, oh, hey, how you doing? Whatever. And they look all sweet, but you can actually feel in the air that there's been strife and anger and arguments and yelling and screaming. You can feel it. You can actually feel it. I said you can actually feel it for real. You can tell, you know, no matter how they smile, say, hey, come on in, pastor. <laughs> you know, you, we were just praying in the Holy Ghost. We were just talking to the Lord about how good he is and what have you. But, you, but, that, but the words that are spoken carry atmosphere. They release things because that's how God created us. He created us, remember, in his likeness and in his image. And remember, Ephesians 5 says that we're like little children. We're supposed to copy and imitate him. We're to imitate God, okay? So it's all about a word system. So James says that words set in motion a cycle or a wheel. And again, that's something I just want you to catch again. Words start something happening. We all know that when it comes to gossip. They, people know how, you know, they, never mind. I'm going to talk about that game people play where one person whispers in one ear, the next person, by the time they get to the end, it's totally gone. It doesn't, have, it doesn't have any resemblance to what was first said. But the same thing happened. This is what Julie picked up yesterday when she said there's just, you know, there's been, a, there just was a lot of love in the air yesterday. There really was. We're not being corny, but there really was. And you can tell when you walk in a house that actually has love in it. You actually can. And I'm not talking about just ooey gooey, but I'm talking about the love that God speaks of. I mean, the, the, the respect that comes just when you admire the people you're with and you care. And there's just that sense of devotion that go, comes between a few people, even family, children, what have you. So anyhow, I'm just saying as I introduce this as fresh, let's really understand that that is the truth. <laughs> I was thinking even about this is why in God's word is truth, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, hallelujah, it is. And um, the Lord said something to me yesterday with something. And, oh, yeah, let me do some, remind you again. Like I said, you may think I'm being off, but because there's so much power in words, I want to keep singing this every Sunday because it is true. You have walked into a house of abundance. I said you've come into a house of abundance. We live in God's house. See, that's part of my, that's, it's not a you and a confession. It's just revelation to me now, like I said in Ephesians where it says you're now members of his household, and I sit back that morning, and I just went, I live in God's house. And there are no limitations to my dad's resources. Do you hear me? If you're born again, but see, that won't 
work or do anything for you until you receive it to the point that you believe it to the point that you say it because what you actually believe you actually say. See, this is how we know what's in your heart. Jesus, we all know, said it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So this is why you only have to be around people for a few minutes to find out what they really believe. And in particular, like I said, it's when you see people under pressure that you find out what you believe. But this is why, again, we give ourselves to the constant, to the daily reading of God's word, because that's what God's word is intended to do. And that's what we spoke about last week. John 3, uh, uh, John 15, rather, verse 3 is when Jesus is talking about, you know, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he talks about that people need to be pruned once in a while. But he said in John 15, 3, now, now you are clean. He turns to the disciples and he says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Literally, he says, it's my word, my truth, my instruction that trims off the stuff that's rubbish, that trims off the stuff that's not healthy so that you might better, better fruit and sweeter fruit and what have you. So today, thank God it's not like in the Old Testament. You know, thank God we're under grace now. God's word is what's intended to prune and to cleanse you. And remember I spoke about how the old covenant and the tabernacle, the first thing you came to was the, the brazen altar. And that's where sacrifices were offered. Sacrifices are what cleansed you from sin. So you're cleansed from sin. But next there was the labor where the priests had to wash their hands and what have you. And what that symbolized was it didn't symbolize the washing away of sin because they just had that taken care of by the blood sacrifice at the altar. But what the labor spoke to was the daily impurities that you're subjected to just by walking around in life where you're just you're standing in some place, you're on the tube and people are effing and blinding and what have you and, you know, it just hurt. If you're really, if you love God, that just kind of burns in your ears. You know, you just don't want to hear it. You just don't want to hear it. Other things you see, you know, there may be lewd posters or just stuff, whatever. You just have impurities get on you that you don't even know. So it's the washing. So when you get in the Word every day, God's ordained that the Word just cleanses you. It just washes you. You just feel better. It's just it's so simple. I don't have to put fancy words about it. It just does. I mean, I... I I'm just so grateful to God. I keep saying that, but I'm telling you, man, it is beautiful just being in the Word every morning and just feeling so much different about life, going through the day, having having something, I don't know, just being elevated. I've been lifted higher. I've been lifted higher. I'm lifted above the junk. Even though I have to walk around it or through it, I'm not touched by it as much at all because this is this empowers me. Anyhow. But the main verse we've talked about is where John is speaking and the apostle, the, excuse me, the prophet, John the Baptist is speaking in John 3 in the Amplified Bible. If you want to put it up again, uh, put up, if you can't put up John chapter 3, verse 30, we'll start there. And this is where John says, I'll wait till it comes up so you can follow along with me. John chapter 3, verse 30 in the Amplified Bible. The, the prophet John, John the Baptist, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must grow more prominent. I must grow less so. Verse 31. He who comes from above, heaven, is far above all others. He who comes from the earth belongs to the earth and talks the language of earth. Now that's where, like I said, when I, this whole series began because I was doing these devotions, 
And I just saw that phrase, and it struck me, the language of earth. His words are from an earthly standpoint, but he who comes from heaven is far above all others, far superior to all others in prominence and excellence. And God stopped me there, and he said, if you speak the language of the earth, you'll be bound to the earth. Do you want to be earth-bound, or do you want to be connected to heaven? And he said, it's all about learning to speak the language of heaven. Now, I've got to tell you something, guys. You can do this. I said, you can. I mean, I, I, I hope this doesn't sound pompous. I can go all day. I can go all day and not speak the language of the earth. Now, Julie and I still have to have conversation. We still talk about, you know, what's going to be for dinner or something like that or whether or not we enjoy this, whatever. But as far as where my faith and where my strength is, I, you know, it's, it's actually easy. And when pressure or something comes, it's just that because you stay cleansed by the reading of the word, you, you just know instantly, you know, I, don't, I will not set myself in alignment with that because it doesn't line up with God. I mean, it's just that simple. I know this doesn't, this is, doesn't sound deeply revelatory, but I'm trying to tell you this is God's design for every, once of, every one of us, and it will change your destiny. This is the thing. You've got to see it as much more than just a little teaching. It's God's way of elevating and lifting you out of the muck of this world. It literally says into the glory of his presence in 1 Corinthians. It will lift you. Your language will lift you into the glory of his presence is what it says in Corinthians. Your language will lift you into the glory of his presence. Your language will. Then verse 32 said, it is to what he has actually seen. John's testifying what Jesus, in other words, Jesus has actually seen. In other words, he's saying this guy is trustworthy because he's talking, when Jesus talks, he's talking about what he's actually experienced. This isn't theory. This isn't hyperbole. This is truth. It is to what he has actually seen and heard that he bears testimony. And yet no one accepts his testimony and no one receives his evidence as truth. Verse 33, but whoever receives his testimony, see, I've received his testimony. And I believe that most of you have. Hallelujah. But see what it says. It says, whoever receives his testimony has set his seal of approval to this. God is true. In other words, a decision has been made. God is true. Let every man be a liar. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. He set his seal of approval to this God is true. That man has definitely certified, acknowledged, declared once and for all, and is himself assured that it is divine truth that God cannot lie. Hallelujah. I hope you've made that decision. This, When God gives us instruction or commandments, like I said, it's not because he's trying to, he's trying to keep you from having fun. He's trying to get you to life. He's trying to get you to life. Even the hard sayings of Jesus are saving sayings. They're stuff to get you to a better life, all right? And then verse 34, and this is really, this is prolific when you read this. It says, for since he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. And so I want you to ask yourself a question. Do you, do we have the ability to speak the words of God? We do. Why? Because they're right here in a book for us. You hear me? I said they're right here in the book. We can speak the words of God. I can see how happy and excited you are about that. 
But look what it says takes place. It says, For since he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, proclaims God's message, God does not give him his spirit sparingly or by measure, but boundless is the gift God makes of his spirit. Do you see what's being said there? When your words become God's words, do you hear me? When your words become God's words, God begins to give you far greater, deeper measures of his spirit. You begin to grow in the realm of the spirit. There's a spiritual power, a resonance that begins to happen because you're aligning yourself with the sinker. Well, you're aligning yourself with, the, as it were, the rhythms of heaven. You hear me? I love that statement, the rhythms of heaven. But you're actually aligning yourself with that. So that's crucial. That's what we're trying to get to. Okay? And then quickly again, so I'm done there in John. Then last week we got to the place where, again, in Ephesians 5.26 is when Paul was talking about the church and how marriage, as we saw yesterday, that a, a man needs that a man and a woman, that a man has to sanctify his wife. It says he sanctifies her that he might cleanse her through the washing of water by the word. That we're to wash our wives with the word. But really, you see, if you'll catch that, every word we speak either cleanses people or taints people or smudges them. Think about that. Every word you speak has the potential of washing them, blessing them, or cursing them. Like James 3 says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing, my brethren, this ought not be so. And you know it's true. I mean, it just happens. And let me say this about truth. I started to say it earlier again. I was thinking, I don't know, it just jumped up in me yesterday, the day before. I don't, I, you know, when I was thinking, I was thinking again about the abundance that, that we live in. And by that I mean the fact, like I said earlier, and I'm not just saying it to be clever, but, you know, we do. We live in God's house. And this is a house of abundance. And this has become part of my, it's not just my speech. It's gone way beyond that finally. It's revelation to me. I, 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 I cannot say anything else. I don't care what is happening. You've heard about, like, both our cars are broken and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> in the natural, you know, you're going, eh. But you know what? It's just like I've just had a laughter in my spirit, because it's like I said, it's no, it ain't no big deal. I mean, we're my God used to, you know, I might flip out and freak out and oh my God, what am I going to do? And I know nobody else here has ever done that, ever said, oh my God, what am I going to do? Your mind has never gone crazy. But I mean, really, I live in God's house. I'm His child. It's unthinkable to think that this Father won't meet my needs. You hear me? It's unthinkable. I mean, He's He is my I. And again, I have to keep using the word revelation because it's different than information. I really have received a spirit of adoption where it's no longer, oh God, oh most high and holy God. It is that. I mean, something has shifted. Yes, I still reverence him. I know him to be a holy father, but he's no longer God. You know, it's no longer the thing where you have the white collar that's so tight you can't, you choke. You know what I mean? It's like what they witnessed yesterday. They witnessed a guy with the collar that wasn't choked by it. He was, he was literally unrestricted because of it. You know what I mean? Talk about the love of God. 
Hallelujah. But I live in a house of abundance. But see, I know that now. Hallelujah. I really do. And so I'm just jazzed. I've got expecting it's, it's so when the devil tries to come and say lack or say you shall you know you shall not have, it's just I, I know that's that's not even something I'm going to give my thoughts to. Like Bill Johnson says again, you know, I cannot afford to have a thought about myself that God doesn't have. I cannot afford to have a thought about myself that God doesn't have. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. And neither shall you. That's why it, it feels good to say it. It's like in Hebrews. I wish I could quote her. Maybe I'll go there later. In Hebrews, when it talks about how the, how the Lord, he said, Well, I will not, I will not, I will not in any way leave you hopeless or without support. Assuredly not. Remember that? It's literally in the Greek. It's a triple negative. I will not, I will not. I, God's spirit is trying to get something across. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you help. I will never leave you without support. And then the next verse says, therefore we can boldly say the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. See, I'm supposed to walk no matter what situation you're going through. I said no matter what situation you're going through, there should be something in you that allows you to boldly say the Lord is my helper. In other words, I am not going to freak out. The Lord is my helper. Just turn to somebody and say, the Lord is my helper. But I say it all the time. You know, there are, there are some things where they put it up here, Hebrews 36. So we take comfort and are encouraged and we confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? You, in other words, you see, you kind of get an attitude. You kind of get an attitude. You, don't, you know, I know in whom I believe. Do you? I know in whom I have believed. I mean, I really do. I knew a lot of his word before. <laughs> I had a whole lot of knowledge for a long time. But something shifted. Hallelujah. I'm so, I, in the natural, I'm so frustrated that it's taken 30 years to shift. <laughs> 30 years of walking in the Word of God and teaching and stuff like that. But you know what? I'm not going to look bad about, look back about that or feel bad about it. I'm just happy and I'm happy for what's happening right now. Because I'm living in the now. I'm not living in yesterday. I'm not, I refuse to live in yesterday. Hallelujah. Then I might boldly say, the Lord's my helper, man. And the Lord is your helper. He really means that. He really means that. The Lord is your helper. Hallelujah. What can man do to me? Can you really think about what's really being said there? I will not, I will not, I will not, dude. I'm never going to leave you helpless or without support. I'm with you forever. Forever, I will never forsake you. I will. I love you with a love that's beyond human comprehension. Again, we don't know what the word love means. But that's why he said we can confidently, boldly say, the Lord's my helper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So we're going to speak the language. So this whole, but then back to Ephesians 5.26, the washing of water by the word. 
And like I said, it was really something when I, I looked up, and I know that that word was rhema, the Greek word rhema, which means it literally, you know, the word rhema means spoken word as opposed to written word. Jesus in the John first chapter says, in the beginning was the word, John 1 verses 1. In the beginning, well, put that up, put up John 1, 1. How many of you believe the Bible again? Hallelujah. Okay, some of you. Depot almost put his hand up for a moment. Look at this. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ. And the Word was with God. And what, what's that last sentence say? And the Word was God himself. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you, can you be childlike enough? I love what Jesse DePlanta said. He said, you know, we, you will never, listen to it, you will never, and you've got to really hear this, you will never be God's adult. You will always be God's child. You have to really develop what it means to be childlike, to enter into the kingdom. You know what? I, I'm joking even, well, I shouldn't do it now because Karen's talking about something else, what she's going to have for dinner later. But like Mike, I busted you. See, Mike and Karen, you know, David who slipped out, probably gone to a dance downstairs. Um, David, there's Deborah, there's Dominic. I don't care when Dominic and Deborah are 50 years old, they're still going to be their children. You understand? Is that true? We are God's children. You've got to catch that. We'll never be God's adults. And so as a father loves his children for real, like I said, I can't help it. I don't even know the lady's name back there, but the, with the stroller and the baby in the back right now, she's caring for the baby. I mean, I wonder how much she and he love that baby. I tell everybody, until you, know, until you get married, until you actually hold a child in your hands, I don't think you know zip. <laughs> you don't know anything. It's just, well, hallelujah. I mean, it's just, we created life. And, you know, now if you multiply that, if you can somehow multiply that by about 55 quadrillion trillion times, then you're maybe getting close to how the Father actually feels about you. Now, that's, that's heavy, man. That's heavy. The Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Um, when you speak God's language, when you speak His message, in reality, now don't freak out when I say this, it's not like God speaking. It's God speaking. But see, that has to be, that has to be in your spirit. In other words, see, we all have to go from teaching, from instruction to a place of revelation. Because it's very easy to quote the word. I quoted the word over situations for years and didn't see much result. But when you really do meditate, like it says, if you'll just obey it, like Joshua 1.8, even back in the Old Covenant, this book of the law is not supposed to depart out of what? 
How many of you have a mouse? How many of you have a big one? <laughs> no. But this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But, listen to it, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then you shall make your way prosperous and you will deal successfully, you'll deal wisely in the affairs of life. But it's got to be in your mouth. Now I also said last Sunday, you can, when it comes to faith, God, it says, you know, without faith it is impossible to please him. And by that, see, it sounds like some people read like, well, and then he doesn't really love me because if he loved me all the time like a child, I don't have to really please him all the time, do I? No, it actually doesn't mean that. It's an interesting word study. But again, it speaks to alignment. It's really, um, it's so, it says without faith, it's impossible to be aligned to what God has set in motion for you to be successful with. Hallelujah. You cannot separate the way you got saved. If you're born again, remember Romans 10. I quoted the same thing from Deuteronomy 30 last week. But in Romans 10 is where Paul speaks about the, you know, the basic way we talk about when somebody gets saved. Paul says, for if you believe in your heart that Christ died for you, and you confess with your mouth, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart in him. Hallelujah. See, it's just the anointing. <laughs> now, but listen. See, it? that's why, you know, the devil's a dog. That, this is incredibly important. And I, I don't care how many times you've heard it. Really catch this. For with the heart, with the heart you believe. See, a lot of most, uh, sadly, a majority of Christians still only believe here and that's their stumbling block because again they're trying to understand God see there's no place in scripture where he actually commands you to understand it what he tells you is to believe it see the thing is the mind the carnal mind is at enmity with God it cannot, indeed it will not, receive the things of the Spirit, but the things of the Spirit are foolishness to the carnal-minded man. Right? It's right. But you have to understand. So God, who looks on the hearts, He knows what we really believe. He knows what we really believe. Because what you believe in your heart comes out of your mouth. Right? Right? And again, like I said earlier, in particular when you're under pressure. This is why you have to let your words be few. Like it says in Ecclesiastes, you know, you're, God's in heaven, you're on the earth, therefore let your words be few. David talks about, you know, setting a guard upon my mouth that I may not sin against thee with my lips. I mean, the whole book is about words, man. But this washing of water by the word, let me get to that. I'm taking way too long on that. In Thayer's lexicon, it literally says, that which has been uttered by the living voice. And man, that hit me. Because this word, now see, even that we say it, and it can just go right over your head or just go in one ear and out the other. This, 
God's Word, He wants it to become His living voice to you. Not just the written Word. He doesn't want it to stay the Logos. He wants it to become the Rhema. But most of Christianity in history has allowed this to only be Logos, only be written. In other words, it hasn't become alive to them. It hasn't become a living voice to them. But the other thing that God really spoke to me, like I said over the last week again, if there's a living voice, there's a dying voice. In other words, the voices that you listen to really determine, they really equate to life or death. And so you have to learn to ascertain real quickly, like when thoughts come, and this is when we could go into the whole teaching about the battleground of the mind again to thought life. But the point of the, because Jesus said in Matthew again, he said, take no thought saying, what shall I wear, what shall I eat, what so on. And you've heard me teach it before, but it's still so important. I hope you're listening to me right now. I know there's this, there's almost like there's a dullness of spirit that's trying to attach us to us this morning, but I've rebuked it. I rebuke, I just do. I want you to hear this. The way, take no thought saying, what shall I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? The way you take a thought and give it life is when you say it. This is why wrong thoughts should die unborn. Quit, don't speak it. Don't speak that doubt. And you'll shut up the thought. Don't speak the doubt, and you'll shut up the thought. You hear me? Like uh, preachers have preached for years, you know, learn to doubt your doubts. You know, when a doubt, when something comes and begins to even look like that God's word, it's telling you that God's word isn't true. You know that that's actually the definition of tempting God. Thou shalt not tempt God. That's why so many of the people fell in the wilderness because they tempted God. You know what it actually means to tempt God? It means to question his faithfulness. That's literally what it says. To question his authority or his faithfulness. And you see, that's what hell does with every one of us probably every day. In some area. Is he really that faithful? And you start to question in here. You see, it all starts in here. I don't, this isn't working. This stuff doesn't work. I mean, this stuff isn't working, man. That's tempting God. And that's why people fell in the wilderness and never entered into the promise. That's why you have to cast down those imaginations and you have to bring every renegade thought into captivity to the mind of Christ. And you see, that's, you can do this. This isn't, the devil is a liar. He's the one that keeps telling you it's too difficult. Do you hear me? He's the one that keeps telling you it's too difficult. No, no, no. You begin to put God's word, his truth, his pattern in your mouth, and I'm telling you, you set the same wheel in motion, but now it's a wheel. The fire that would have killed you is now a fire that burns up all your enemies. You've got to catch that. You've got to catch that. Living voices. I wrote that down. And see, this is why, again, it's what you believe. And I'm reminded I don't have, I don't want to take the time to go there. But I'm reminded of Matthew 25, you know, about the, when Jesus gives this parable, he talks about one man came up, he had five talents, and Jesus told him, you know, or the, the, rather the master of the people said, you know, go and take this five talents and develop it. And he gave another man two talents and said, develop it. And gave another man one talent and said, develop it, you know. And so he went away, and when the master came back, the guy with five talents, he said, here are your five talents, and lo, I've gathered unto you five talents more. And the master of the house says what? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
the person that came back with two talents, he said, uh, well done, thou he said the same thing. He said, you've done well. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I like that because, see, it's not an issue if you've got, it's not an issue right now if you're a five-talent man, a two-talent man, or a one-talent. It's just will you be faithful with what you've got right now? Because the reward is the same. Did you hear it? Well done, good and faithful servant. Just be faithful. But the last guy, if you want to put that verse up there, you know, go to verse 24. He who had received one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a harsh and hard man. Now stop right there. This guy is saying, and what's being taught us is this, what Jesus is telling us by way of parable, this is what this guy believed. And you see, what you believe, you act upon. What you believe, you will act upon. And he said, I knew you to be a harsh and a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you had not winnowed. Well, see, that's a lie. That's not at all who he is. But if, you see, if you believe something wrong about God, you will wind up having much less than he wants. Go to the next verse. And it says, so I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent on the ground. Here you have what is your own. Next verse. But his master answered, you wicked, lazy, idle servant. Did you indeed know? In other words, is this what you believe? Did you indeed Know that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I have not winnowed. Next. Then you should have invested. He said, if you actually even believed that. See, he didn't even believe that. If you actually would have believed that, you would have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received what was my own with interest. So he took the talent away from him and gave it to the one who has the ten talents. Next verse. For to everyone who has, hallelujah, will more be given. And he who he will be furnished richly so that he will have an abundance. I, I wish again, if there's a whole other way to teach this path. God wants every one of you to have an abundance. I said every one of you. I said every one of you. I said every one of you. See, don't, anything else is a lie. But, what, but from the one who does not have, and what he's talking about, the real revelation of truth. Even what he does have will be taken away. The next verse, and throw the good for nothing servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and grinding of teeth, my God. Now, I wrote up here something about that. The one talent man spoke what he believed about God and was disciplined or punished by what he believed and spoke. There is a reciprocal, you know, recipro you know what reciprocal means, like a 180 degree difference. There is a reciprocal transaction from heaven that is released when we engage this spiritual law of heart, belief, and its following confession. It is a spiritual law. We spoke about that for a moment last Sunday as well. We talked about spiritual laws are more absolute than natural laws. Remember I just held up a coin, asked you how many times do you think if I dropped this coin five times, how many of you think it would fall five times? Well, almost everybody, but, you know, John back there, almost everybody said, I believe it will fall every time. And why? Because it's the law of what? Gravity. And then I asked, how many of you can perfectly define and give us a lecture on gravity? If there's any scientists in here, maybe they can, but I don't know. But what I mean is more than likely you can't. But so you act on a law that you can't explain every day. And it's because you've trained yourself 
you've learned by accident. Like I said, nobody came in here and tested the tensile strength of these chairs before you sat down. You trusted. You live by faith. Hallelujah. You sat down on that chair expecting it to hold you. See, this is what God wants to do. He wants you, you know, and I think I started to share it yesterday too, and this is a whole really gigantic, beautiful topic that I, I you know, that you don't, it, I don't want to just, well, it's the thing about God's glory. Remember the word for glory in Hebrew, well, the transliteration is spelled K-A-B-A-W-D, kabod. But it means, again, most of you know, the, the weightiness of God, the heaviness of God, God's glory. When God's glory comes, it means there's a weight that comes. Heaven has a weight. There's one meeting. I've only ever been in one meeting. That was many, 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 many years ago where the, there were, I mean, well, stuff happened that you won't believe in my church back in Baseville. But I forget I actually, actually, it was Ed Dufresne who was speaking, who at that time was a real strong prophetic voice, you know, close person with Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland, all that stuff. The anointing of God came so strong that some of us, I was in the second row, but there was a weight that came, a weight. I mean, you, you were being pressed, and it didn't feel good. And you're like in the chair, and you God, you know, I'm going to fall out of this chair, and it's just like my heart was going to stop because there was a pressure and it was freaky, man. And people were falling out. People were screaming. The cameras, the inside of the three cameras burnt up. All three of them. I'm talking about something. We all call God the Holy Ghost something. But the presence of God came so strong. So, so I'm, not, now I'm not exaggerating right now. You don't have to believe me if you want. Don't want to. I don't really care because I was there. But I'm, you know, well, I'm just saying, I mean, it, pre- it, you know, nobody was having fun. Now, it sounds like, well, it should be if it was God. I tell you, the weightiness of God. See, we all want the glory. But God is love. He doesn't want to destroy you. You've got to have enough belief in his word. Real faith in him to the point that you can withstand what he really wants to put on you. Do you hear me? This is why, again, we have to keep in any given church, we have to keep teaching God's truth, teaching God's word, so that enough stability that can come into our lives where he, I mean, you've got to understand, he longs to show himself strong. That's what the word says, right? His eyes, we quote it all the time, eyes are racing to and fro throughout the earth looking for those that he can show himself strong to, but he doesn't want to kill you. Moses said, show me your face. God says, you can't see my face and live. But he said, hide yourself in a rock, and I'll let you to see my hinder parts as I walk by. Think of what, what's God doing. He's protecting him because the presence, the real presence, the glory of the living God can kill you. That's why only the high priest, God anointed the high priest, only he and he had to go through a multitude of purification processes and what have you. And remember how when he went into the Holy of Holies, he had that rope tied around his ankle? Remember, that was because if he had done anything wrong, he was dead. The moment he got close to the glory, he was dead, and they had that rope on his ankle so they could pull him out of the tabernacle, pull him out of the temple. That's freaky, and you say you want to be a minister. 
<laughs> but see, I want to get there, don't you? No, seriously, I'm being, you know, I rebuke that sleeping spirit off here, buddy. I'm telling you, we, I want us to get there. But see, I can't pull us all in by myself. Not that I'm special. Julie can't do it. No one or two people can do it. This is where we're trying. People, we need everybody, as they say, to get on the same page. Will you believe God? Will you actually believe God and begin to discipline your life and begin to understand, let's speak God's message. Like it says back there in John again, John chapter 3. Let's begin to speak God's message so that we can have more of his spirit so he doesn't have to give his spirit to us sparingly. You hear me? And Ephesians, when we teach on the love walk, remember it says if you'll really give yourself to God, it says that, remember that he'll, he, there, there's a place in him where it says that he will show you what is the length, the height, the breadth, and the depth of his love so that you might have the power to comprehend with all saints the experience of that love, so that you might become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. That is, that you might have the richest measure of the divine presence. Hallelujah. Now see, that's possible. It is possible, otherwise he would not put it in there. We make choices every day that either allow us to be, have a greater stability or lesser stability. God wants to show himself to us, but he loves us too much to kill us. <laughs> you have to want it, and if you really want something, you do what it takes to get something. And we've done that in life. I remember when I was a kid, when I was about 14, 15 years old, you know, my first little motorcycle trip. I wanted, there was a, in those days, it was a 250 Honda Scrambler, brand new. Gosh, 15 years old, 1957, it was 1961. Hallelujah. Some of you weren't even born. You weren't even a thought yet. 19, not even, 1961. Man, I wanted this Honda Scrambler. And you know how it is when you're a kid. I mean, I got pictures of it, every magazine I could. I got pictures of it. I tore them. And I would walk around my house and I would put pictures on my dad's desk. You know, kind of just subtly hinting. You know, and I put pictures and I said, oh, mom, did you ever say, oh, mom, look at this. Oh, my God. And I talked about it and talked about it and talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. And I mean, I was determined I'm going to find a way. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to find a way. And I did. <laughs> Ultimately, I drove my mom and dad crazy. Say the least. If you're a parent, you understand fully what I mean if you have children. I mean, I drove them crazy with it. And they loved me. But, you know, I, I had to learn. But I had to learn a little bit how to ride some other dumb thing before they'd allow me to have that because they didn't want me to kill myself. But the point is, I wanted that. And bless God, when you want something, you'll find a way to have it. Now, you see, that will kill you. As an adult... If you don't understand how to take that same bull-headed tenacity and turn it towards the kingdom, in the world, if you have it, you'll take that same bull-headed tenacity and you'll finance yourself a car that you can't pay for. You hear what I mean? You'll finance this that you can't pay for. 
Because bless God, you'll find a way. You'll make a way. You'll even lie. I know nobody in here would ever do that. I'm talking about people in other churches. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know what I mean? I mean, you'll, you'll do whatever it takes. You will. But see, that same attitude, if it gets consecrated to God, I'm going to do what it takes. It says it's available. You can have it. Hallelujah. You can have abundant life. He came to give you life abundantly. He didn't come to give you life with mediocrity. You know, you're, you're to be a people that are above all other peoples. That's still the truth. Did you hear me? God in heaven, hear that. He wants you to be a distinguished people above all people because he wants the world to see that it's worth serving him. This is why hell has worked overtime. I say it over and over again, but this is why the world has worked overtime to keep you timid. I think Emmanuel was talking this morning about watching all the things yesterday and how you were mentioning about how the church has to be delivered from its timidity. You know, we're not, we're not bold enough about stuff. We don't take the risks that are necessary. You hear me? You need, so you start, you know, you, let me tell you where to start, where you are. Is that a deep revelation or what? <laughs> but start. What do you mean start? Begin to speak God's word every morning, every day, all day. Do what I used to do. I took little three-by-five cards that my mom used to write recipes on. I cut them in half, and I'd write a scripture. Remember I tell you I wrote a scripture on one side. I'd, on the other side, I'd write its reference, you know. You know what I mean? I'd put it in my pocket. I'd have three or four in my pocket. And just during the day when I was at work, I'd pull them out every once in a while and just read and put them back. Pull them out and read them. Put it back. Keep it just like I kept the picture of that Honda Scrambler in front of my face. I began to keep God's Word in front of my face. That's, it's that simple. Right? It's like also James says, but, you know, you've got to be a doer of the Word, not hear only. For some people, they, it says, remember about looking into the mirror? And it says that the Bible is the mirror. It says you look into a mirror and you, thoughtfully, you can thoughtfully consider who you are. You look in that mirror. Now, I mean, I've got to tell you, it is true. I better be real careful here. <laughs> I was going to say some women I know, but the only woman I really know is my wife. Hallelujah. So I've got to be real careful there. My wife does a great job. Let me put it on men. <laughs> I know some men, man, they're far worse than any woman. They look in that mirror and I'm... <laughs> I mean, they be checking everything out, man. Yeah. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Nobody in here has ever done that. Give me a break. No, God, God knows this, doesn't he? But it says you look in a mirror, and I mean you look. Probably most of you, some, some of the men that I look in here right now, I don't want to embarrass by calling their name, but some of you, most of you have looked into a mirror this morning. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Like, like I said, some of you, I can tell you, you ain't, some of you ain't been in front of a mirror for weeks. Man. <laughs> I saw that, Antonio. I saw you back there, girl. But listen to me. But it's, what does it say? It says they look, they thoughtfully consider themselves, but they turn away and walk away, and they immediately forget what manner of man they are. 
They forget what manner of person they are. And so that's what people who look into the Word, he said, but we are to look diligently and continue to look in the Word because that's where we find out what manner of man we are. This is a mirror. This is where we find out who we are. We are a people of abundance. God's design is for us to be blessed above all nations still. Paul says that clearly in Ephesians. He talks about us, not just the Jews. He said, now that, you know, we are the Gentiles, but we're in this covenant too. We're, in fact, when it comes to Israel, remember, it's very clear. It says we, it really does say in Romans that God's intent is that we cause Israel to be jealous. Paul said the very blessings that were supposed to come to the Gentile, to the, is, to the Jews have now come upon us. They're for us because he wants to make them jealous. They, they need to see the God of the Old Testament alive in us today in the New Testament so that they recognize that our Messiah is their Messiah, that our Savior really is their Savior. And see, when you see how that connects, that's why the devil has to work overtime. He's got to keep you down. What does it take to keep you down? And that's why, again, last week I said, you know, what do you answer to? Remember when I said that? What do you answer to? If you, you know, hey, dog, you know, do you answer to that? Hey, ugly, do you answer to that? Hey, failure, do you really answer to that? Loser, do you answer to that? But see, well, but the point is, all of you right now, if like the Bible says, if the secrets of your heart were laid open, if the secrets of your heart were laid wide open right now, we'd find out what you answer to. But this is why when you stay in God's word and you begin to see it and you begin to see this implicitly, no, I'm just going to keep the word of God in my mouth. Hallelujah. But see, remember, I love the fact that Paul also said, and this is really important, because when you say keep God's word in your mouth, what people hear is that you have to perfectly quote scriptures all the time. But Paul said, remember, I thank God that he has made me an able minister of the spirit of the New Testament, not the letter, because the letter kills, but the Spirit makes alive. See, it's, 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 what's it mean, the Spirit? Remember how the Bible also says how the body without the Spirit is lifeless, so faith without works is dead? The body without the Spirit? He says we've been made to be able ministers of the Spirit. In other words, what's the, the life of that verse is what we keep in our mouth. Not literally every jot and tittle of the Scripture, but we keep the life of it. In him we live and move and have our being. So we keep the life of that. I'm going to move in God today. I'm simply going to, if I hear, if something comes, I'm not going to, I just, learn, I, re, I refute fear. I rebuke fear. Fear comes every day to all of us in some form. That's why it's a, the major thing we have to defeat. But you learn to just say, no, I, no, no. I rebuke that. I won't listen to that. That's not who God says I am. I have looked into the mirror. I'm a success. I've been blessed by God. I don't believe it. Dang it. <laughs> That's all my introduction still again. Hallelujah. Turn to, Gen turn to Genesis 1. I'm going to take 10 more minutes whether anybody likes it or not because you got to because I'm here and the doors are locked. You guys don't know, but when you come upstairs, they lock the doors downstairs. Sorry. Hi. Would you guys say amen to something? Just say amen. This make me feel more alive that somebody, you know. I'm 
So many people are asleep. It's, you know, you guys will get to eat and go out. I know it's a sunny day. I apologize for the sun. If you want me to pray for rain, I will. Like I said last week, you know, but I mean, I, I have, I have, I have weather faith. You can ask my wife. I've, I've got an anointing when it comes to weather. I really have in the past. It's been amazing. So if you want rain, I can pray for rain. But, you know, I know that you'd rather be out there. That's where some of the sinners are today that should be in church. They're all, they're all sinners. They should be here. They know they should be here, but they're sinners. And God rebuke them. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was without form, and empty waste, and darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. The Spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. And I'll stop there. The Spirit of God was moving. Everybody say the Spirit of God was moving. I've taught this before too, but how many of you know people say, boy, the Spirit of God was really moving last Sunday? But I want to show you something. You've got to catch. Remember, I learned from my spiritual father, Ed Cole. I've said it all the time. This statement he makes, everything God does, he does according to a pattern and based upon a principle. And we have to discover the patterns that are in here because they're God's patterns. In other words, this is how things work. And there's something called the law of first mention when you, when you study Scripture. It's a law. It's a supernatural law. Again, this is more absolute than natural law. Like I never finished about how you sat in that chair because you believe in the law of gravity that you can't explain. But God speaks about super, a higher order. It's a supernatural law, like the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus that makes you free from the law of the spirit of death. So the law first mentioned, when things are spoken, these are things that run throughout all Scripture. The Spirit of God was moving. Now listen to me. But there's been no manifestation. So just because the Spirit of God is moving, it does not mean there's been a manifestation. Because something else has to happen. While the Spirit of God is brooding, while the, the Spirit of God is moving right now in this room because of God's Word going out. Did you hear me? It's moving. But now watch. But verse 3 then says what? And God said... God said, let there be light, and there was light, verse 4. And God saw the light was good. Now stop right there. I could read all of these, go back and forth through this. It's in verse 10, it's in verse 11, it's in verse 12, it's in 19, it's in verse 21, and it's in verse uh, 27, and verse 29, and verse 31. What you'll see is this, God said, and then it says God saw. God said, and God saw. What am I saying? Speaking comes before seeing. Right? It's just that simple. If, if you want to see it, you have to speak it. If you want to see it, you have to start speaking it. You do, and you know, and other people say like, you know, Charles Capps always used to say it this way. I've told my people that they can have what they say. I've told my people they can have what they say, but the problem is my people are saying what they have. Right? Right? Mark 11, 22, 23, 24. I've told my people they can have what they say, 
But the problem is my people are saying what they have. We're called to call. Did you catch that? We're called to call. To call those things that be not as just as they, to call those things to be not as though they were. Ephesians 5, 1 again, we're supposed to copy God. Even God who speaks of non-existent things as if they already existed. God speaks of non-existent things as if they already existed. I'm supposed to copy God. God calls things that be not as though they were. God has called me to call things. Are you his child? If you are his child, then he's called you to call things. Every day, by your speech, you're calling things. Come here. Come here, divine health. Or, come here, sickness. I'll probably get that too. That flu's going around. Right? I'll be the first one to be laid off to be made redundant. Probably. Yeah, it'll probably happen to me. You're calling it. It hasn't happened, but you're releasing faith. I mean, it's the oldest teaching we've had, right? But it's still the truth. And we've fallen away from that truth so desperately, but God is not a man that he should lie. Let us, like they say, let's reverse the curse and let's engage the blessing. Right? We're just called to obey. You're called to call things. So the Spirit of God was moving, but nothing manifested. Nothing was seen until God's word was spoken. Do you hear me? Isaiah 34, and I'll finish with this. I've gone nowhere in my notes today, but it's all your fault. It's become, it was because of you, man. You were supposed to be on drums today. You didn't have a drum. By the way, I really enjoyed the worship this morning. It was really different. It was like we had kind of like our own mini choir or something. It was really cool. I enjoyed it. Seriously, it was good. It was different, even though David was here. David, you're back. Hey, David. Good to see you again. Now, listen, though. The Spirit of God was moving, but because this is a powerful principle that people don't get. The Spirit of God was moving, but there was no manifestation until God spoke. And when you really see the proof of that, Isaiah 34, 16. And this is talking about prophecy and things, but put up Isaiah 34, 16. Seek out of the book of the Lord and read. Not one of these details of prophecy shall fail. None shall want and lack her mate in fulfillment. But this is the part you need to catch. For the mouth of the Lord has commanded, and his spirit hath gathered them. What's them? What's them? Then what? Words. Watch this. God spoke, light be. The Spirit of God gathered them. See, the Spirit of God is the creative, the creative element of the Godhead. He's the, he's the one that does the create. See, they all create all things. Like Jesus, all things were made by him, through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. But see, the three, the three work perfectly in unison. That's why the three are one. But do you catch this? Words are fuel. 
that some spirits are going to work with to create. God won't use the devil's words. If you've got the words, the language of the earth in your mouth, the spirit of the world has something to work with. If you've got the devil's lies in your mouth, devil's spirit, demon spirits have something to work with. But if you've got God's truth in your mouth, it's the fuel that the Holy Ghost will work and he'll gather those words and do what's happened throughout all eternity to every prophet, every man and woman of God that's ever lived. He'll take those words and use them as fuel to create and bring forth manifestation. God will confirm his word. The word, John 1.14, what happened? The word becomes flesh. You have to have the word before you have the manifestation. God Almighty, please help us, Lord. You got to have the word before you have the manifestation. God spoke, God saw. God spoke, God saw. We are to imitate God. We call things. We're called to call things. We call things that be not as though they were. I live in a world that is unseen. Through faith, we understand that everything that is seen was made by things that are unseen. Everything that is seen, everything was made by things that are unseen. Words. But see, words began as meditations or thoughts. We call them ideas. Then the words began to come and the form began to take shape. These chairs came as an idea. They were totally invisible until somebody had an idea. The words began to take form, and it manifested in flesh. And uh, let me give you just one more. Can't stand it. Turn to Hebrews 11. I'm telling you, we are a house of abundance. And it's beyond a confession for me. That's all I can say. It's beyond a confession for me, and I want it to become beyond a confession for you. 11.3, put that verse up. Then we'll finish with this. Hebrews 11.3. I'll just look at it online. I mean up here. Now watch. For even the first four words, by faith we understand. The only way you understand the things of God is by faith. By faith we understand. But look what it says. By faith we understand that the worlds, the worlds. I mean, Psalm 33 says the Lord made the heavens by his word. Psalm 33 says he made the heavens by by his word. I mean, he, every planet was spoken into existence. By faith, we understand that the worlds during the successive, successive ages were, and this is what we've got to listen to the terms. This is why I love the Amplified. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God, so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. This is the divine pattern. See, God's word, if used correctly, will do this. It will frame you, fashion you, put things in order, and equip you for your intended purpose. 
All I'm telling you is what the Bible says. I, I, however many years, I mean, I think I've got at least 25 more years in me, so tough luck. <laughs> Life's getting better and better. <clears throat> like I say, we're aging, but I'm not growing older. I'm just aging. There's a difference. There's a difference I've discovered. We heard Kenneth Copeland say that, and I said, I'm going to take it too. I'm not getting older. I'm just aging. And aging is okay as long as I keep getting wiser. I, I mean, honestly, and not trying to sound like a preacher. <laughs> I'm not evangelistically speaking, you know, where you stretch the truth. I, uh, you know, like you've heard me say, and it's a, but it's true for every one of us, every one of us. I'm bigger than this. What I'm experiencing right now in my personal life there's more, much, much more. I'm, I'm just bigger than what I'm doing right now. And that's not, again, that's not arrogance. That's confidence in what God has said about me. But see, that's the truth about every one of you. The truth be known, and see, inside of every one of you, there's something inside that tells you that all the time. On the inside, you know, you know, I'm made for more than what I'm experiencing right now. Isn't that true? Is that true or not? Am I telling the lie? Don't every one of you have something on the inside? See, that is that seed of God that's been there from the beginning. There's something more. There's a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more. I am made for more than this. I am bigger than this current situation. Whew. I'm much bigger. I, I've got every, see, every one of us have destiny. We have a destination that brings us to our destiny. But see, no, put that verse up again. I'm sorry, but if you would keep it up. Favored Brown. I love her email. Her email is Favored Brown something, whatever. All I have to do is stay in this book and keep that word in my mouth. For with the heart, man believes, and with the mouth, confession. And this is important to remember, confession. I know I said it before, but see, you got to read it over and over again. With the heart man believes, but with confession, with, with, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. See, confession is what gets you to the stuff. I said confession is what gets you to the stuff. It's what you believe in your heart. But see, you, this is why you cannot separate the heart and the mouth when it comes to the Bible. It's your mouth that gets you to the salvation, but it's what you believe in your heart. But what you believe in your heart, you need to speak. So this is why if you've got junk in your heart, we're just trying to tell you get the junk out by putting the good stuff in. There's not room for both. See, and you're learning. You keep putting the good stuff in, the bad stuff will get out because the good is more powerful than the bad. But I want, I, I know if I keep doing this, and I'm going to keep doing it, I'm serious. It's too late. I done made my decision. This is not a momentary thrust of faith for me. I've signed on for life. I'm going to keep this stuff in me, and it's going to do what God's always intended to do. It's going to frame me, fashion me, put me on, and equip me for my intended purpose. I'm going to get to the end of God's purpose for my life.
Hallelujah. And see that, excuse me, like I say, like they said yesterday, he's rather a loud American preacher, like they were, you know, in particular, you know, like we know some black preachers to be. It cracked me up. They actually said that, you know. I said, listen, brother, he gave you 30 minutes. I know black preachers give you 14 hours. You know, <laughs> I mean, on a Sunday morning, you ain't getting out of church till 4 o'clock in America. Are you kidding me? In some of the churches in the South, you go there, you better pack your lunch. You better pack your babies. <laughs> Seriously, you do, man. You're there all day. You ain't done church. I mean, it's all day. It ain't no two hours in the morning. You go to church all day, my brother and sister. You know what I mean? You've got camp meeting after church, before church, during church, all through church, 14 worship services, and the pastor dances all up and down the place. Like, you know, they get on the hoop. You get that hoop on them, you know, you know, and stuff. But I have an intended purpose, and all I'm trying to say is you do too. And we want... God's purpose. Anywhere else. Oh my God. <laughs> he wants to lead you anywhere else. Really. But see, who do you listen to? What do you listen to? Faith comes by hearing. See, you know that, don't you? Well, you don't if you keep doing dumb stuff. <laughs> If you keep doing dumb stuff, it means you don't really believe it because you're listening to dumb stuff. Why are you listening to dumb stuff if you believe you're going to have... If you believe faith comes by hearing, why do you keep hearing dumb stuff? Don't hear stuff that's going to lead you down a wrong purpose. Why do that? Why listen to those voices? There's living voices and there's deadly voices. Recognize the living voice and say yes and amen. Father, I give you thanks for today. I give you praise. Your word is true. And I love that verse. I have set my seal of approval. I have set Rod Anderson's seal of approval upon this book that you are true. I have made the decision that you're true. And because of that, it's established in my heart that you cannot lie. Hallelujah. You're God of truth. And Lord, I know that it's not about silver and gold and possessions. Think about this. I mean, Father, you use silver and gold to pave streets. It actually, please hear this. Silver and gold, it has no value in heaven at all. That's why they use it to build streets. The only thing that carries value in heaven is truth. Truth. So, Father, thank you. As for me and my house, I'm going to walk in truth. We're going to walk in truth. And you're faithful. Oh, you're utterly faithful. You're available, it says, immediately to run to the aid and to assist those who call upon your name. Hallelujah, you're faithful. And so every man and woman in this room, I mean every man, and every woman in this room who will receive this, even this message is truth, that will continue to put your word in their mouth. You will do. You're not a man that you should lie. You will do what you said you will do. You will lead them into places of victory. 
and success and delight into a land that flows with milk and honey. You are a God of abundance. We have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of your dear love. We now live in your house. We live in your house. We have received a new spirit of adoption. You're now father, your dad. You're not some faraway God. And I say again, I live in your house. They live in your house. There's no way you won't meet their needs. You're a loving dad. And they don't, we don't have to be perfect. That's what blows my mind. Just like our children. Aren't you, my child, children are going to be my children no matter what mistakes they make. I love them. I may not, they may break fellowship, but they'll never break relationship. And Father, that's the way you love us. We've been eternally grafted into you. We belong to you. But praise God in the book, in the word, it says that you said you belong to us. You are our God, possessive. You're our God. You said, call upon me and I'll answer. Hallelujah. You mean that. Hallelujah. Sorry, I'm ready to go into another two hours of teaching right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So, so today I speak blessing and life over every one of these people that are in here. The power of words. I speak Life over you. I speak abundance to you. I speak living faith to you. I speak the revelation of God's word being a living voice. A living voice, not a written word. Father, I thank you again that you lift them. Lift your God who lifts us. You lift us higher and higher. You would lift us. Your desire is to lift us into the glory of your presence. So may your blessing really resound in the hearts of every person in this room. I mean, really, may it just bounce around the hearts this afternoon of every one of them. And let suddenly, let something wonderful suddenly happen where they make, where they make, a lasting decision to believe this truth. Hallelujah. And you will frame, you will fashion, you will put an order, and you will equip them for their intended purpose. Just because they obey the spiritual law, which is absolute truth. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus, I pray that I release your blessing upon them all. Amen. So be it. Hallelujah. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.